I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. Yeah. With these wild times, uh, I think now is a good time for to talk about wild conspiracy theories. So w- what are some wild conspiracy theories right off the top of the show, right to open up with uh, that have been on your mind recently? Maybe maybe you could change our minds about them. Um, I don't – I'm not – you know I like live for your conspiracy story, but I didn't really could think of any good ones other than like I, you know everybody knows the moon landing thing. But I think I know a guy who could probably help us with that, Wes. He used to be, as you labeled him, our guy in the chair. Tim Weisberg is joining us for this episode. Tim, do you have any good conspiracy theories? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm still in a chair. It's just not the same chair that I used to be in. That's true. This so, is true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know all the conspiracy theories. Do you got you? one good one for us? Hmm. Let me so, think. So one that I saw recently on the internet uh, that, that, that gained uh, a little bit of popularity where uh, some of the – Daytime talk show hosts, the Oprahs, the Ellen DeGeneres of the world, uh, being arrested or held on uh, lockdown. I think Tom Hanks was in, thrown into that list as well. Um, all all kind of tying into Epstein-like stuff, oh, which yeah. is a, a wild uh, accusation, but uh, a fun ride to go down. Well, I, I mean, those are a little bit nuts because now you're yeah. putting people's reputations at risk right. for no reason. You know, it's okay if you want to wildly speculate about aliens or, you know, uh, that, that we've uh, had secret government, uh, secret space programs where we've had exchanges where we've sent astronauts to the uh, planet Nibiru and taken back some of their residents in exchange. Things like that are fun. But when you start, like, smearing people's personal reputations, then it gets a little bit crazy. What planet was that? Nibiru or Nibiru. Some, it all depends on how you say it. Oh, oh, I apologize. If you read uh, Chariot of the Gods, that's the first book that really explores the ancient astronauts theory of how mankind came to be so advanced that aliens interfered and they came from the planet Nibiru. And they some some people uh, say that, you know, they are basically the gods that created us. That they, If it wasn't for the uh, for them, we wouldn't be who we are. The um, uh, Anunnakians. Oh, the Anun- I've, I've heard a little bit about the Anunnaki's. That's good. Now, now we can keep going uh, down this this path of the red pill here, but but let's swallow the blue pill uh, and welcome everyone back to episode 62 of the Change My Mind podcast. Uh, I'm Wesley Sykes. So that, of course, on the other side of the ether is Mr. Nick Fryer. And as he already mentioned, we have the illustrious return of our former resident guy in the chair, Tim Weisberg. So, Tim, what's been going on? Update us a little bit here uh, with yourself since we've uh, parted ways, mutually parted ways. Yeah, I had to step aside because I had taken on a new assignment, uh, being the host of a, of a new radio program or actually being the new host of an established radio program. And uh, that went on for a couple of months. Things went really well. Uh, some new owners came in and bought out the network and bought out the program. So I was told my services were no longer needed because... They wanted to go in a different direction, so I still had plenty to say. So in a crazy moment, we decided on a Friday to launch our own online network. And by Monday night, we were broadcasting the new program, Midnight Society, live on midnight.fm. Wow. Look at you. So Nobody can that. stop you. 
so yeah so and now this is uh similar types of uh topics that you were talking about before or, or what can people expect uh if they're, they're heading over to was it midnight society midnight society is the program uh the, the it airs on the website midnight.fm also on the paranormal radio app the talk stream live app and on tune in um, <laughs> but it is um it's basically yeah it's it's any kind of good late night talk so we focus heavily on like some paranormal type topics ghosts aliens ufos bigfoot that kind of stuff but we also talk about things like near-death experiences past life regression uh maybe some government conspiracies a little bit without going too crazy about it and then uh we you know we also talk about just anything that we think people would want to listen to me ramble on with a guest about for three hours so uh we we've uh, we did an entire week on um the previous program about Twin Peaks, where oh, we talked okay. about, you know, we actually interviewed some of the stars and people behind the scenes of Twin Peaks. So we actually brought one of the stars back for the first week to talk about something that I had no idea. It was, um, it was uh, basically biosounds, the fact that you can heal yourself through sound. And then we had him stick around and then he started opening up about all his own paranormal experiences. So, you know, things like that are what I love about it. You start with a conversation with one thing in mind, and because you can talk for three hours, you never know where it'll go. So when you say bio sounds, is that like uh, the type of music you hear during like yoga or like meditation or something like that? Or yeah, kind of the same idea that you're you're using these tones to reach a certain level uh, in your consciousness that will allow you to heal whatever it is that ails you. So I don't know. I haven't tried it. It sounds interesting. It would probably save a lot of money on health insurance, but uh, I'm also a little bit skeptical too. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, riveting stuff. Uh, th this week, Tim will be. No, that's not even any bullshit, too. I actually find that really. No, it's just. It, it is, just I forgot. Him. So I, I, I knew I missed him, but <laughs> oh, I just on, forgot on. everything you brought to the table. Hold on. I know you're both music fans, so think about it. There's certain songs that you listen to that resonate with you that make you feel a certain way. 100. percent Yeah, so it makes sense on that on that regard. I just don't know if all of it. You know, if I have cancer, I'm not sure listening to my favorite you know, song will help me cure myself of cancer. No, but it's like, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia when the gang buys a boat, right? And they have the wacky inflatable uh, tube thing out there. And, mm -hmm. and D or uh, Frank keeps telling D just to turn off the rap music because it's too violent. And, and the wacky inflatable thing is like moving too fast. Once they put on some yacht rock, it was really smoothing out and it just kind of really, um, you know, flowed much better. So, so, Ooh. Uh, I think as that is an example, I, I agree with you 100% on that topic. If, if it works for Always Sunny, it must work in real life. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but this week, Tim, you're going to be uh, helping us out here as we dive back into our MCU rewatch vault to discuss the end of Phase 1 with 2012's mm -hmm. Avengers. Uh, but first, we actually got a little bit of trending now news here. Nick, you want to want to lead us off with that? Y yes, we do. HBO Max and uh, DC are working together. J.J. Abrams is going to have some stuff going on, which is always a good thing. Uh, he's got Justice League Dark, which I am most pumped about, too. And then we saw that there's going to be a spinoff series with uh, from The Shining, of course, mm -hmm. Stephen King's novel. Uh, Wes, did you read that? I know Tim's read it before. I haven't. Uh, not No, I haven't seen the novel. I saw the movie. Um yeah, much like yeah, I'm just getting back into comic books. So uh, no, 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 I, I'm not having the Stephen King novel. Uh, you know, <laughs> let, let's 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 walk before we can run here. This is true, but I read Lord of the Rings in high school, so I mean, like that's or middle school actually. So like yeah. that's why you know I never know when you read it. Um, <laughs> but with Justice League Dark, I know that when they did the animated movie, we had Constantine Zatanna, Atragon, and Dead Man, and then of course Batman's in the mix too to kind of give it that 
Justice League tie, kind of, I guess. Mm-hmm. In that movie, I mean, when you go on the DC Universe app, it, it is kick-ass. I love it. It's pretty rewatchable, too. Constantine's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very much... And, and at the end of that movie, they left room for something like this, too. So is this is this going to be an animated project or, or live action? I believe live action. Yeah, I'm not certain. They haven't... They I... I didn't see anything either way, um, but with Abrams, I would I would think it'll be live action. Yeah. Now that they haven't done animated in the past, I mean, we know with Spawn, right, it's on HBO. I don't know. I'd love I'd love to see some live action Constantine again, especially if mm-hmm. they, you know, if they because fu- Keanu said he always wants to play the character again. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if he dyed his hair blonde. That would be nice, though. That would be, I don't think it'll happen, but um, accent he can't pull it off. No, yeah, yeah, the accent. Yeah, that's a good point. He cannot pull that off. So, yeah. so is this too weird? You know, like they're going just Justice League Dark, and you know, we saw Swamp Thing kind of uh, fall on its face kind of quickly. Um, you know, is this is this like reaching too far of a reach? You think from audiences? I don't think so at all. I thought with I, I I haven't watched Swamp Thing yet. I've talked to some people about it. And they've said it's okay. I think Casey likes it, but um, I when I saw it, it's like Swamp Thing's like okay, what's the What's the big deal? Like we've seen Swamp Thing and other iterations, kind of too, all this stuff, or, or or the thing from whatever. I just never saw the appeal there, so I could get why it wouldn't do terribly well um, with audiences. But Constantine has a pretty decent following. He's a he's a fun character. He's an asshole, but he's like a fun character to be around and everything. And I think that Dead Man brings something to the table too. Atragon is a good fighter, and then if you bring Batman into the fold. If it's live action, I don't know if you'll be able to necessarily do that. But if if you did bring him in, I think there's enough appeal. I think that there's something to this. It'll be dark. And Swamp Thing's just kind of a weird character. And he was actually in the, the cartoon movie, too. So I, I think it'll do well. Tim, Tim, do you have any thoughts on this? Is it too weird? Uh, no, I think it's exactly what people are looking for. I think uh, bringing, you know, like a Dr. Fate character to 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 the screen, whether it be animated or live action. I think that'll, that'll really appeal to a lot of people. Um, I think that it's, it's probably a good project for JJ Abrams to get behind because it's not going to have the expectations that say, you know, a regular justice league project would have. Because I, I look at this from the standpoint of just like the general public. Like I think I'm the general public here. I don't have too much experience with the comic books. I've seen the Constantine movie. That is something that I can kind of, wrap my head around i think i grew up like with swamp thing comics uh, as a kid i probably had an action figure or something huh. uh, but batman it was, great, I, it was a great cartoon like probably yeah. when you were young of swamp thing yeah 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 so i, I definitely remember like, kind of being into uh swamp man swamp thing i should say but uh batman i think would be the real tie here that would you know depending on when this comes out and the success of of the movie and if they can get robert pattinson to do a two episode arc in a 10 episode season or something like that. You know, I think mm-hmm. that would be kind of cool. And that would definitely like, draw me in, obviously uh, the casual viewer. Um, yeah. But, Cause I do think it's cause I don't know Zatanya or Atragon or dead man. Like I don't know any of the, you know, right with, well, I will say if it becomes an animated thing, cause obviously like they did spawn years ago. If they did it as an animated thing, I have full faith that this will work because they, you know, they, you guys both know their animate DC's animated shit is always awesome. They make mistakes here and there, but it's generally awesome when it comes to live action. Yeah. But even then with live action, they do well with the shows usually too. Now, I mean, right. The right. CW, CW and everything right. and Titans yeah. has done well too. So, well, um, bringing in the, the prestige of that with what yeah. they do, you know, mm-hmm. so, and 
I, I, I think HBO is on a huge um, positive run right now. Uh, I haven't I haven't caught up with the new season of Westworld because I, I just left it all in there so I can binge it when it's all done because it gets too hard to, to try to follow. Uh, that's probably a, a good way to do it. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there, but I think that's that's a great way to do it. Especially with knowing how much everything's shifting in this season. But then, you know, I, I mean, I just, I've been watching The Plot Against America, which is incredible, and seeing what they did with The Outsider. And so all the, they're on such a huge roll right now that they're not mm-hmm. going to risk mm-hmm. having such a flagship property for this new platform not be amazing. Well, let me ask right. you. So you, you touched on the outsider. Were you happy with that that show? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I thought I thought it kind of got a little too supernatural for a minute, and then um, and then I, I I think I remember being a little like left hanging at the end, which is good because that opens it up for another season. I'm, I'm not sure was, another season though. No, they're they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and just following the girl there. Um, yeah. They set it up. Did you see? I mean, I assume you saw the end credit scene by now. Yeah. No, I definitely. I, for some reason, I just can't recall it. I don't know. If, you know, I don't care if we spoil it. But yeah. They spoiler alert. They basically said, you know, she's she's probably infected. That's and right. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I think that'll be fascinating, and 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 certainly it was such a success that they. It's a no brainer to do it. And I didn't read the Stephen King book. It's one of the ones that I haven't gotten around to yet. So uh, I just know that. You know, if you're you if you're taking what they did in the first season, using that as a jumping point for more, I'm all for it. I actually wish the plot against America was a full series. I have no idea how they're going to wrap it up in one more episode, but I would watch yeah. an entire series about life in that world. What is that now? Now I feel like I've heard of that. Give me so a, in, give in, in this one, it's it's based on a Philip Roth novel that I I read years ago in like the early 2000s, just by grabbing it off a a, a bookstore a, a, a the book rack at the supermarket, and and I knew then like it would be a great movie someday. But what it's about is in 1930s, late 1930s, Charles Lindbergh runs for president against FDR and he wins. And Lindbergh oh. is friends with Hitler and they turn America into a fascist country. And so they're rounding up all the Jews and they're making the move to, to you know, spread out across America. And so it's, it's, it's basically like what would happen if America wasn't standing up to the Nazis in world war two. And it's, it's just the, the acting on it's incredible. Uh, of mm. course, you know, HBO always, you know, puts in high production value. So yeah. you really feel like you're in the world of the 1940s and, and in a world where this kind of thing is happening. Ah, I might have to add that to the list. That was a good sell. I like that. I can't mm-hmm. I cannot recommend it enough. Okay. I, I might have to at this point. It's a, yeah, I remember it's, seeing the teasers for that when I was, I finally watched, um, Watchmen Tim and it was, that was friggin' awesome. You guys were so right about that. I wish they would, come back with more but so um uh plot against america david simon from the wire so oh okay yeah that's that's a good co-sign right there uh nick what do you got for your uh, comic book minute here we'll keep it quick uh, obviously there's nothing you know there's no new things coming out um but i did want to mention as i told everybody last time i'm doing some marvel dc crossover proposals in by the way tim if you have any wes of course you always know throw them out there mm-hmm. um but tim if you have any by all means uh, I've done a Batman one. I don't want to say who he's fighting in that, um, but you can go on Geeks Worldwide to check that out. Also, Captain America has one. The one that just came, that I wrote for Friday, the proposal features Superman. Again, not going to say who he's fighting or working. Well, it is a fight with someone from the Marvel Universe, but you guys can go check it out on the site there. I will have some other ones coming up. I've been I have a few uh, that I got to write out, but I have ideas already done. 
So I have a um, question on, on the Superman one because I've uh, taken a peek at it. I had nice. actually did a little bit of uh, prep work, believe it or not. I'm just glad you read it. So I'm interested in how you settled on the person that you did. So not by giving it away, but who did you chop down? Like who was mm -hmm. ended up on the list that you ended up going with, uh, not going with? I mean, well, when you look at it, um, when you look obviously with Superman, there's a the big issue of like he's you know overpowered and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to think, all right, who it's the could, big issue, yeah, right? So who from the Marvel universe? could you put against Superman? Is there people, are there people that are on par with him? And even then, do we know if he's on par or she is on par with Superman? Cause there, I mean, you look, there are certain characters we've seen in the MCU, specific she that could mm -hmm. maybe go up against him. There's also villains too. So I'm trying to think, go sort through that. And then are there people who might be more powerful than him that can kind of be in everyday life like Superman is. So, kind of going through that and then giving that trying to find like why would there be motivation for them to fight him um who's good who's bad in this is there a miscommunication whatever so that was kind of my line of thinking there okay because my yeah. my immediate you know if i go back to my old uh, marvel contest of champions days i'm thinking uh hyperion right is mm. that how you pronounce his name i mean he seems yep. like the direct um you know mirror match villain so to speak so spoiler, that's not who it is. Right? Right. I'm, I'm, I have no problem with you spoiling that. I, I, here's the thing. That's also a character that I don't know as much about. I understand that there are similarities. But the other thing is I just – I don't want to go and like appease or, or a, you know, yeah, appease the masses too much. And like, But I mm -hmm. do want to do some level of like you know, these are characters most people care about. Like the character that I picked, you care about that character, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. More so than Superman. Hold on. Exactly. I, I... I, I, I took a look at it and I will mm -hmm. say that I think it lacks the marquee matchup power that would be needed. The marquee matchup power that would be needed. Yes. Like this isn't this is maybe like an undercard to a big fight. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that people, you, you know, I'm just uh, that's fine, please. The choice is solid. The choice okay. is perfect in terms of the way that you lay it all out. I just think people will initially look at that and react and say, what? But then once you read what, you know, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it. I think that is one where you'd be like, that's not who I would have expected to be him matched up against. Mm -hmm. I was kind of going for that. And that's why I led with, the, you know, when I'm doing this, the character who I had fighting Cap, I think is going to be what makes the Cap story a little bit better. But with with when I'm talking about trying to get people's attention, people care more most about Cap. They care most about Superman. They most about Batman. So when I'm writing about them, I got to lead you know I mean, with them, but yeah, it is, it is one of those where it's like, really, I'm just, I'm just saying, don't let that hang you up from, from reading it because yeah, there's always that, that, uh, there was always those dream matchups that we dreamed of as a kid. It's mm -hmm. like, well, who from the Marvel universe would Superman fight? Well, Superman's the preeminent guy. So he's got to fight either Spider-Man or, you know, Thor or something like that. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, not that I'm trying to ruin who it is that you chose. It could be one. No, it's okay. I won't say that it's not, but, mm -hmm. but that's what you looked at is you looked at kind of, you know, the level of greatness versus the level of greatness in terms of how important the character was. Mm -hmm. And if you try to do that, if you try to match up toe for toe like that, you're going to fail at every turn because right. they just don't evenly match up like that. The popular characters wouldn't make for good, good battles. I got mm -hmm. a couple others that I, I'm, I'm planning on doing next week. I'm trying to do two a week that I want to tell you guys about later on um, when we're done. But anyways, that's what I got right now. Um, 
any, and, and Tim, I'm sure you saw last episode too. Wes and I talked about comics, which I'm sure you never would have ever expected. We did an entire episode talking about two books, two series. Excuse All me. All it took was a worldwide quarantine to get Wes reading comic books <laughs> and and free access uh, by on the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, that was also a. a helpful you, too but i guess that's all kind of goes in hand with the worldwide uh you can pandemic. see why a 9.99 subscription to that is well worth it for, yeah. for somebody that wants to dive in and read that stuff definitely definitely yeah that's true you know it's it's it's, it's the commitment thing you know mm-hmm. i'm There's, committed to my wife and then that's about as much as i can commit to and you prefer the shows too i mean that's just yeah. and, and you have disney plus and everything. Yeah. there's a lot but yes it, it, like for someone who likes comics it's definitely worth it but speaking of that that those were that was all avenger stuff last week and now we got more avenger stuff this week to put a pin in phase one which i'm excited about yes absolutely we are cracking open as we mentioned at the top of the show here the mcu rewatch vault for 2012's the Avengers. So the synopsis is when Thor's evil brother Loki gains access to the unlimited power of the energy cube called the Tesseract, Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., initiates a superhero recruitment effort to defeat the unprecedented threat to Earth. Joining Fury's quote-unquote dream team are Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, uh, Thor, the Black Widow, and Hawkeye. You want to take the uh, starring and directing, uh, Nick, here? Directed by Joss Whedon, which for the longest time I always thought was Josh Whedon. uh, Starring Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, Loki as I'm sorry, Tom Hiddleston as oh. Loki, Scarlett <laughs> Johansson. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Colby Smulders, who looks outstanding as Maria Hill in this. My God, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Clark Gregg as Agent Phil Coulson, and then rounding it all out, who makes a yeah, small appearance, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper pots so you know how many times i've done i did that when i was writing out the names and trying to remember like okay put the actor's name first and not and then sure enough you know yeah. can i just throw one thing in because i know we're not going to talk very much pepper pots mm-hmm. uh, but i do want to know like what was what was the impetus for putting her in the outfit that she was in that's a good call yeah i, I did notice that when watching i was like huh like I, I remember seeing her one of off the cut off uh, jean shorts there. Yeah, Daisy it, Dukes. It yeah. looked like like she like it'd be one thing if it's like this is what I throw on when I'm just hanging around the house, but she also had on like this like belt, and like all this stuff that like made it look like she was like planning to leave, and then she I think she actually left with Colson wearing that outfit, unless she yes. like stopped to to go change before they went downstairs. But I mean, I'm looking at that. I'm like, that's it's it's not just this is what I hang around you know start towering well it's you know, a big if, switch if you remember though that they were they were celebrating they they just created uh clean renewable en- energy for stark tower they had just popped a bottle of champagne uh, i believe they're going to have like 12 percent of a moment if i remember correctly um <laughs> you know so you know we one thing leads to another and then, and then colson comes just in go with, go with the denim daisy dukes don't bedazzle them and it'll make more sense to me but okay I all right well, well, i didn't even I'm notice the bedazzling i guess you were I'm looking at the detail stuff. You know, <laughs> well, there is that moment where she walks away from Colson and she's kind of, you know, mm. doing a little bit of a shimmy there. So <laughs> I would, yes. you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, because you, you go from her, she's always professionally dressed and everything like that, even when she's at Tony's house, as much as they didn't have a thing going at that point, it's just a very radical change. Yeah. It's almost like Gwyneth just showed up in that and they're like, that's fine. Just go do your scene so you can go home. 
you know, right. we'll get into this a little bit in uh, the Internet Sleuth Award Award there. Uh, but this movie was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, a 92-91 audience critic split, uh, an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. It pulled in $1.5 billion, $623 million domestic, and was the uh, thir- it is the third highest grossing uh, movie in the MCU behind Avengers Affinity War and ahead of Avengers Age of Ultron. So uh, let's give our overall scores here uh, in addition to our opening thoughts. Let's, let's throw it over to our guest this evening, uh, Mr. Tim Weisberg. So now remind me on how this works. Is it my score now on the rewatch or would it have been my score that I would have given it seeing it for the first time, not knowing what comes On the out? rewatch. On the rewatch, I will rate it a 90 out of 100. Okay. And then just some opening thoughts there you got for the uh, the movie, you know, some some general things. So it was, you know, it was great to see what I thought an Avengers movie would be, uh, but it wasn't enough of what I wanted. I think that we got that later on in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But for this one, I would have liked to have seen less exposition and more action. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be to say, but it takes a long time to get to the point where we see the Enger- Avengers actually teaming up and working together. And and I think that there's a, a lot of stuff in the middle that kind of drags it down overall. I agree with you 100%. Nick, Nick, what are your thoughts? I gave it a 92. I forgot how friggin' good this movie was. Holy shit. I mean, for like for years, it's like, oh, yeah, it was great and everything like that. You look at Iron Man and Avengers, like those are important movies in the MCU. Can't We're not where we are now without them. But it's like this stuff still holds up so well. I mean, I forgot like there are some scenes I forget about, like Black Widow and her, you know, her reintroduction in the whole movie and everything like that. Um, I, I forgot about the bickering between the Avengers before Coulson died. It's just there's a lot. And, and it was in the action holds up well and the 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 writing holds up well in general too the the cgi all of it i was there's like one moment that really stuck out to me that didn't look good and even then when it came out i didn't think it looked that good but outside of that i was like i was very so obviously has its flaws but i was very impressed with this upon rewatch especially in your score did you give your score i'm sorry yes i get 92 92 awesome Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think we're all kind of in the same ballpark i'm going to be sandwiched right in between you two with a 91 um it's kind of tagging on a lot of the same thoughts tim had it was a very fun film you know and and to finally see this kind of come together and actually done right i think was very impressive because the expectations i think were so high um you know it holds up very well to nick's point it it uh, covers a, a lot of topics with you know, shield being corrupt. You you introduce mm. all the characters, and then you create the division among them, which takes a lot of time. You have to get to Loki's motives, and then you have yeah, you know, what is a really um, long battle of New York scene. Uh, upon rewatch, you just forget how long that kind of goes off. So you do have that drag in the middle that that Tim had mentioned, where they're kind of uh, doing that infighting and kind of building that up. All I don't know if that's in the helicopter uh, carrier scene or or uh, Stark Towers, but. Um, you know, there, there, it does kind of drag in the middle. The, the one thing I did want to say with that, I forgot to mention, there were some, like, I know we got a lot of, we got all our awards that we're going to get to, but I don't know if these two things are going to come up, but I thought it was an interesting point with Thor where you guys talk about the drag part in the middle. One of the things that he brought up was when Fury was getting, you know, questioned about the weaponry and everything like that with regarding the Tesseract, 
it was interesting how Thor's like this by you guys doing this, this sends a message to other worlds, like how you're getting ready for basically like intergalactic fighting and everything. That one stood out to me because you always hear about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, do you have, if you don't have the superheroes, do you have the supervillains ever? Um, and then the other thing was what after that, or like right around that time, we saw cap sneaking around, right? You said how he was, um, shield was corrupt and everything. Mm-hmm. We never see cap do that in uh, first Avenger in, in, Tony was the one who kind of got him to think and start questioning things. And then we also see him, how he influences Tony too, in the course of everything where it's like right. sacrificing yourself and everything. It's just interesting. It wasn't just this over time thing. They started influencing each other. They had an impact on one another right away, right? As soon as they met each other. That's nice. That's some next level stuff. I, I really, uh, really enjoyed that. that. That was good. Oh, thank you. Now we got time for awards, baby. <laughs> That's it. So let, let's start off right off the top with the uh, the on your left award for most rewatchable scene. Uh, Tim, do you have any? What what was your choice for the most rewatchable scene or, or a few nominations? So for me, <laughs> and I feel so creepy saying this. But it, <laughs> it's it's, cool. it's a Glad to have you back. <laughs> Just what? because of watching what she's doing. And what, what scene? she's wearing when she does it. With the scene? Black Widow scene. Right? Oh, okay. My bad. Okay. And then, and then I would have to say, you know, I do enjoy uh I do enjoy the scene where you know the real infighting starts to begin, but I, I feel like they didn't go far enough with it to kind of really explain enough of what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they, just, they just show, you know, Loki's scepter there kind of glowing, but they don't really get into exactly what it is that he's that he's doing to manipulate. You just know that he's behind it. And I think in that scene, it would have been better to kind of, you know, give a little bit more. They do that one cutaway to him smiling. Um, I think, or maybe that was when, when the Hulk first appears as the Hulk, but they could have done more to kind of show that he was the one manipulating what was going on. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And I think uh, as far as the black widow interrogation goes, um, you know, that was very near and dear to my heart. I love that scene. I think she's one of the big uh, takeaways from that. Plus, uh, you know, she is a big crush of mine as well. So uh, that that also helps. Uh, the Battle of New York scene, I think that is very clear-cut the winner. We're going to put that aside for the moment and then talk about some other scenes uh, because I think there's so much, like we said, in that, in that Battle of New York scene. We can kind of break that up into a couple different ways. Uh, but I, I really liked the, the first fight in the woods between Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Of course, the sim- symbology there, later folding out, uh, unfolding in Avengers Endgame the three of them uh, going, being the first to kind of attack Thanos. Great call. Uh, oh, and I, I, I think it's a great call. The, the mm-hmm. Just to kind of go back to the, the Black Widow thing, since everybody's given their opinion on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is, it is amazing how, you know, we see her in Iron Man two. She's a freaking badass there. You have her here and it's like, holy shit, that scene's amazing. And then she has a couple other awesome ones. I mean, her running away from Hulk, she, she does a pretty good job with that too. But that scene there, it's like, when I'm watching, I'm like, "Wow, she was still a badass for a while." When, it, where along the way did she kind of just really take a back seat? I understood she was never a at the forefront character, but she just was never. I don't know. They, they, they it seems like this is where maybe we'll, as, we'll as see soon as they go to space. You know, I think she was there in, in Winter Soldier and Civil War. I think she even played a pretty, uh, you know, key role, invested role in that. But um, 
you know, I think once they go to space, it's like kind of tough to use her and Hawkeye. Yeah, but you know what? You don't you uh, now the one scene that sticks out for me when we talk when we think about uh, Winter Soldier. And I will rewatch that again at some point, of course, too. And I love that movie. But I remember the scene where she fights Winter Soldier, and she's run when she's running everything. It looks a lot clunkier than what I remember this being. That's yeah. uh, that's part of why, what I remember too. So I I was thinking about this as I was watching it, and I thought I had the same thought that you did that she she was much more badass early on and she softened. And I think that that is actually part of her character arc because she was so much of a lone wolf and she didn't trust anybody that you're seeing her become less badass, but becoming more of the team. And it's because she doesn't need to be that badass anymore. She can draw it out when she needs to, but in general, you don't want to mix the hard ass with the badass, And I think that that's kind of what we saw a little bit was her becoming more of a maternal type figure. So by the time that you get to, you know, end game, she's pretty much the Avengers mom. Wow. That is, that makes sense based on what she does in the end. Spoiler. I love that. That's um, I, I think the only thing that can com- uh, compete with black widows uh, opening interrogation scene uh, is, is Loki's entrance in Germany. Uh, that whole scene where he goes in and they they do the raid of I don't know if it's like an art room or art museum or something, and then uh, Nick had this in the notes here, obviously with with the eye gouge. Like, I I don't remember it being that violent. Jeez. I I don't you know I think we forget Loki. You talk about someone softening up over the years. I think Loki is definitely someone uh, who was softened around the edges over time. I mean he was you know legitimately kind of scary uh, at this point when he's kind of presiding over every everyone and telling all the civilians to kneel um and then you have captain america come in which is great and he's talking making all his uh you know world war ii references um and and then and then iron man comes in right and he's got what i don't know if it's uh ACDC or yeah. black sabbath or something but uh coming in and it's just like such a great way to kind of enter and he just kind of uh does what iron man does that was an awesome scene, and I and I had forgot. Like you're right, the the eye gouging was like holy shit. This is in a this is an early like Avengers movie. There's I can't believe they got away with this. I can't believe oh. now this at this point was D- Disney, right? That's a, I think it, I think so. Yeah, so that's oh, crazy. When we get to the uh, when we get to some of the memorable quotes, I've got the line where you're gonna say what? As if okay. you missed it. If if you didn't, if you missed it. You go back and look at it now and you're like, wait, how did they do that? First of all, like even just in a kid's movie, Disney aside, you know, when a movie wait, are you talking about what Fury said at the end? No, it's a, it's a Loki line. It's a Loki line. Okay. I am oh. making a note so that you don't forget it. All right. Anyways. So yeah, I, but I think when it comes down to it, Wes, there's what you pick a scene from, um, you pick a scene from the New York battle and that's where we go. So you could just say all New York, whatever. I, that, that's the most memorable. Or where we on? Sorry, most uh, most yeah, yeah, the most rewatchable scene. So I I think I really like the Black Widow one. Like that one was the first thing I wrote down. It was very early in the movie. Kind of set the tone for how who I think the real winner of this movie is. Um, and and I I think that's tough. You know, I'm also a man at the end of the day too. So (laughs) a little little easy on guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that has to be the one. Is that is that are we start enough shallow if we go with uh, Black Widow's interrogation? Listen, they made it that way on purpose. So if we're giving them props for what they intended to do, yeah, then they, <laughs> they fully earned it. I love that scene, but that would not be my number one. My number one was when was was Hulk. Like that. Like when I think of Hulk, I think of the moment where he's like, you know, 
I'm always angry. And that may come up again later on in the, in the, in the episode, but that moment well, this there. Is, this is outside of the Battle of New York. Okay, so if we're doing outside of the Battle of New York, then yes, I'm in agreement. We're going with Black Widow. Okay, sure. so because now what I want to talk about is obviously the Battle of New York. Um, that, as we mentioned, is is really long. It really gets drawn out, and it kind of you think it comes to an end, and then it kind of picks up again. Um, a couple of things here. Wh- what were your favorite moments from the Battle of New York? Um, what were your favorite team ups or and or um, the best usage of one's uh, you know attributes and heroics? Okay, so I would say my fr- the the one of the so again the Hulk one the Hulk moment where he's like I'm always angry is awesome and then when he runs runs through that building to attack whatever the bigger Chitari monster is the that worm. was yeah awesome too um and I mean just when he goes to smash and I'm not a big Hulk guy we that, that's I think it's pretty well documented on this podcast I'm not a big Hulk guy but holy shit he was great in this when he comes out um and then when Cap and Iron Man team up when they do the you know like the blast into cap shield mm-hmm. those were probably like my mo the my favorite ones and all that tim you have a favorite team up uh i've it's more of a favorite moment uh like like nick was saying i like the hulk and the way that he kind of you know becomes part of the team and you for the first time ever this this is the least likely character to be able to work as part of a team to this day i still don't really understand how hulk yeah, can work yeah. as a member of a team but the when when Stark is falling and Hulk catches him, you know, mm-hmm. like, yep, okay, now I can see how this group of individuals has finally come together as a team when they've got the ultimate, you know, we've got the guy, the the, the creature that doesn't even get along with the guy that he lives inside, and now mm-hmm. he's fully on board with being part of the team. So yeah, I'm I'm speaking towards uh, to Hulk as well here. I love the Thor Hulk uh, team up there, and you get you know, a little bit of comic relief. You talk about a memorable moment, but at the end when they're done, you kind of get that punch of Thor uh, on their side when they both land in the building together. You know, that's a real memeable moment, which which might be another category that we should add here. Uh, mm, maybe no. forward memeable moments. Uh, but I I thought that really works well, and again, a little bit of foreshadowing. I thought. You know, they, they kind of extrapolated that a little bit more in Thor Ragnarok with that kind of buddy cop team up and kind of funny. And, and of, of course, I think you're kind of interested in who's the stronger hero of the two. You have this, you know, literal beast in the Hulk, and then you have this god, and you see you want to kind of see which one kind of wins out. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really get a definitive answer. Uh, even, even to now, I don't think you really have that definitive answer. Uh, so, you know, I think that was kind of interesting, kind of speaking towards Nick's, you know, dream matchups there. Uh, for, what, what, what am I getting? What's what's the exact wording here that you do? I do a Marvel, the Marvel DC crossovers. Yeah, yeah. When you're talking about those type of like battles or like the two v ones that we used to do, right. you know, that would be really interesting to see um, a Thor Hulk matchup. But you know, I loved, and I, oh, this is going to come a little bit later. But uh, all of Iron Man snark throughout all of that. You know, like the, the whole thing with the shawarma thing. Like I thought that was really funny. I'm not sure if I picked up on that the second time or, or the first time around, but re-watching it past this weekend, um, I, I just that really tickled me. When you bring up the memeable moments, the there are three that come to my mind outside of the punch, which is one too. Um, I understood that reference when Cap says that. There's that yeah. one, and right around that same time is when Iron Man rolls his eyes, which we see that meme all the mm-hmm. time. I didn't really, I forgot it was from this. And then when Hulk smashes the shit out of Loki um, and says says puny God. Yeah. That, that moment we see that all the time too. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's any others, but those are the, those are the four obvious ones. Definitely stick out here. Um, 
How yep. about let's move on to the Quantum Realm Award for some unanswerable questions. Mm-hmm. And I think the first one is uh, where's Rhodey? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you, you talk about it all the time, was how you can't have these big fight, big fights, and they're all the heroes are not involved. And I and I understand that there are times where there are exceptions. But how the hell does Iron Man not get on the phone and say, "Hey, let's go. We need you here." Iron Man Two has already happened at this point. No excuses. And not even that, right? He, uh, he he's a military guy. You think there was some sort of military response team outside of the nuclear bomb that they were about to put on New York, which is just really like disheartening to see the government just give right up like so quickly, just concede New York City to. <laughs> well, in, you see, now here's the thing. If there's the, the whole shield being compromised, right? And I don't know. I don't think all of them are in shield. Maybe none of those people are in shield. But I know the guy with a deep voice who's also in Deadwood, which I'm currently watching. Um, he he was part of uh, a bigger cons- another conspiracy in the course yeah. of things if you watch agents of shield so it's not all Power, that Power's surprising booth. what powers booth i believe that's his name yeah the guy who plays um uh sai and yes. uh, Deadwood. Yes. yes 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 i'm finally watching that by the way that, that was my mm-hmm. quarantine corner it's awesome but anyways <laughs> um but yes that is that you're so right on that one Wes. that's the, that is the biggest thing there's nothing even remotely close to that outside of this like out there. I was looking at like some of the research and stuff when I was like looking over this stuff, and all, the only thing I could find was that um, what's his name, uh, Cheadle? Don Cheadle. Yeah, just was like I don't know. They just didn't have me in it, and he had already signed like a seven movie contract or something. And this just wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently, they put out a pre uh, prequel comic to Iron Man three that explained where Rhodey was during Avengers. Oh, I did Ooh. not. Know. I did not. They do that for all the movies. At least they were for at least through Ant Man. They did that. They had a prequel mm-hmm. comic for each movie. I did not know that though. Um, so, I don't see what the answer was, but how is Stark so surprised that the government is trying to weaponize the Tesseract? Like, isn't this guy an arms dealer? Right. That's what he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, why is he so shocked about this? Yeah, be more. I mean, he was more shocked, and I and I agree that this makes sense that they didn't bring him in on it. Yeah, like, but that would have been the perfect thing if they were looking to weaponize it. They had it when he was. I mean, I'm assuming. Well, no, because he would have made his, you know, his changeover, out, you know, before they had it, right? Because they got yeah. it before. So mm-hmm. maybe he was thinking like they thought he had gone, you know, kind of Hollywood with himself, and that he wouldn't be interested in helping them out. That's mm. interesting. Yeah, uh, the the Battle of New York is horrific. How, how do they just move on from that? You seem like everyone's fine and like n- not in the end of the movie, but as you go forward throughout the MCU, like that, that that's like a catastrophic event. Yeah. I mean, catastroph- like that's huge. Of course. Of course. It's, yeah. It's cataclysmic. It's, it's it wor- if that happened now, it would be the craziest thing that's ever happened in this world. And we're in the middle of a frigging pandemic when we've never had more advanced science ever. Um, okay. But like aliens, like jumping through like worm ships and through a hole in the sky like that. Like people don't unsee that sort of thing. It's weird that they made such a bigger deal out of Sokovia than they did out of that. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point that I didn't think about. Yeah, they did make a bigger deal out of that shit. Like all those things were like that just dropped dead, like on top of the planets or on top of the buildings. I mean, once like everyone, like the you know, kill the queen type of thing, strategy of uh, killing the villains. Like they all just dropped in and all fell on 
top of skyscrapers, buildings, like then and then I got another because it just seems like that was a big deal. And then it's just like, oh yeah, that just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was that was not okay. That 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 part was was strange how they all just flopped there too. Um, that was I one of my drawbacks. Lazy storytelling when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and these are these are nitpicking. You know, we love the movie. It's just, you know, these yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that we don't that the movies aren't the movies not a hundred on any of our scales. It's not a perfect movie. There are flaws. Right. So, um, it, now I know he was introduced in Thor briefly, but if not Hawkeye, who would you have wanted to see introduced um, in in the Avengers first Avengers movie? Um, man. I, I tried to think about this one and I really couldn't come up with a good one. I mean, I, I would think Ant-Man or Wasp just because they're, but you can't really, they, those characters need a little bit of their own thing. Obviously we've seen it did really well um, in those two movies, but I, th- th- those are the two like original Avengers that weren't in here. You know what I mean, so I guess if anybody it would be those two. My thought was, was that Hank Pym um, Ant-Man. I thought that would have been nice. And and you don't have to do like the old version, you know, like have him be a, um, a contemporary of, of Tony Stark. Um, and I, I thought that would have been interesting. Mm. You know, some, I, I don't know. Some other ones, that was the first one that kind of popped to mind. Um, you, yeah, know, you can't really go cosmic with it yet. No, you already got, you already got Maybe a daredevil up. or uh, something like that. If you wanted to go that route. That would have been sick. That would have been awesome. Yeah, but that would be really early to bring Daredevil in on that. I think. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You already have Cap, who's not an, technically an original Avenger in all this. It would only make. But at the same time, that's why DC Marvel has done so well is they don't always stick to the books. They respect yeah. them, but that's it. I feel like we almost got an introduction in this movie for the first time because this is the first time we see the real MCU Hulk. You know, I don't yeah. think that the Ed Norton Hulk was. I, I mean, I, I know people include that as being part of the universe, but I almost wouldn't. And it's not just a matter of changing actors. It's more of just a matter of, you know, it's a, a different direction. Uh, and, you know, first of all, I think just Ruffalo was better. I mean, I love that Norton. He's great in everything. But yeah. Ruffalo just a better, better version of it. Yeah. And so I look at it as like, this is the movie that kind of introduced the Hulk to it all. I think at the time when I watched it, and I, I this time I didn't look at it that way, but when I first watched it, when it came out, I looked at it as an int- introduction to the Hulk because it wasn't the same guy. So that's a fair point. Yeah, that's and you do point. get more of his backstory and his motives, and when he, he's over in uh, was it Kakala or what is his uh, where is he at in India or Thailand or something like that? Not America. You, yeah, you get you definitely get um, you know a little bit more of his backstory and what makes him tick or why he hasn't been able to have you know, a Hulk sighting in a year plus or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really kind of the linchpin, right? Cause that's what Loki uh, is trying, trying to get. He's trying to get the Hulk out to kind of tear everyone apart. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Okay. Any I other, uh, the, the roadie one is the most unanswerable question though. And all this yeah. it's inexcusable. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, that's the, the most glaring hole. You know, the battle of New York one is tough. Yeah. Uh, because you know, the the Sokovia thing does make such a big deal about it, um, and even what's going on in uh, in Civil War, right, with like the Wakanda building, um, and and who was it, Ro- Brock Remlow? Yep, I mean, that, that gets made uh, such a big deal. But this is like, yeah, you know, they touch on it a little bit in that newscast. You know, that's New York Senators. Like, they made this this mess and just left us with it. Right. Now they're gone. Like, where are they? And that—that's like the only thing that you kind of get 
It was yeah. very comic booky though, when you think about it, because that happens right. so often in comic books. They destroy the whole city, and by the next issue, you know, they they barely reference it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it never happened. Um, any other unanswerable questions? You think we're good? I think we're good. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the America's Ass Award for what aged the best? Mm-hmm. Uh, right off the top, I'm going with the reintroduction vignettes of all the characters. Um, I, I like that. It's quick. You kind of reintroduces everyone. If you haven't seen any of the previous movies, this kind of catches you up to speed. Um, and and it, for those who have, um, it kind of fills in some gaps there a little bit for you as well. I thought that was a good one. I, I thought the um, Hulk beating the piss out of Loki is something that we've never forgotten. When you, I mean, you see any time when someone gets owned on, on social media, that meme comes up so often and, and everybody loves it. And that's, that's, all it's all cgi and stuff like that so i it just for it that was what two, this is 2012 right so mm-hmm. it's we talk about some things that didn't necessarily you know look that look a little bit different in the past what eight years that one looks great still that one would play now if you went and put inserted that scene in today in a movie tim what do you got i think that um out of all of it probably the part that will carry on throughout it is the way that they all start interacting with each other uh, at the beginning, because that's going to set the standard for a lot of the, even, even the teams that are coming forward. So whatever we're getting now, the defenders or whatever else, all these other ones that are going to be coming out, you're going to have this, this almost, you know, this family relationship of starting them off with, you know, not being able to trust each other, not being, you know, it kind of set the tone for what works in a way that makes the audience care about it, and I think that that's kind of the the overarching thing that you they they it's almost like they realize you don't have to have everybody rooting for all the heroes right from the very beginning for it to work at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think you you kind of see that, like you said, that kind of archetype, that structure um, play through in a lot of other team up movies, right? The the Batman versus Superman movie kind of borrowed that idea with having them fight before ultimately coming together for the greater good. Um, and, and the same with Justice League. That was pretty much the same thing, just with those secondary and third characters. It's a pro wrestling trick that, you know, it, it can go both ways where people love to see two people that have been feuding for a long time suddenly become a tag team mm-hmm. and work together. And they also love to see a tag team break up and fight each other. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the base way that we look at uh, any kind of team up where we want to see the, the drama and the, and the, you know, the process of how it becomes that they trust each other so intently. Right. So I remember uh, when DX broke up, you know, you had uh, Shawn Michaels uh, and Triple H there. That, that's a good example of that. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Attitude Era, you had, uh, I think, tag team matches between The Rock and Stone Cold on the same side a couple of times. Sometimes. Yeah. And of course, the most famous, the uh, the Rock and Sock connection. Oh, um, right. Yeah. With Mankind. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah. That was oh, that's, that's a good call right there. Um, now, now Nick has this, and I, I'm going to uh, offer up the complete flip side. But Nick had uh, Cap and Iron Man arguing, and then on the reverse, uh, Cap and Iron Man working together, which kind of goes along with what Tim's talking about too. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, but it's like kind of a slight twist because it's they're so quickly forced to just, you know what, forget whatever we're arguing about. We got to join sides, like we see in that moment, right, right where. They're all having their issues. Then boom, Hawkeye attacks and, and everybody else. And it's like, put on the suit, like, let's go. And then, yeah. holy shit, go put on the suit. So, it, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And we see that every step of the way. As they work together, there are always issues between the two of them. And, and Captain America so quickly 
uh, taking a secondary role to Iron Man and, and just doing what it is that he says, because he, he realizes as much as I'm a natural born leader, well, not naturally born, but as much <laughs> as I've been a leader, I know that in this situation, the best thing for me to do is to listen to the guy that knows the technical stuff. A be- right. The best leader can follow. So mm-hmm. he's definitely that. Uh, the only other thing I thought aged the best was was the aforementioned snark from Iron Man. I think he might be at his most snarkiest at this point, um, and, I, and I think that's fantastic. Like he, he's right in that sweet spot. He's got quippy one-liners for everything. So much mm-hmm. of it is gold. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great too because it's like yeah, you know, he gets a little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth as we move on here. So he's still a little spry. He's got that pep in his steps still going, but you know he's uh, he's still the smartest person in the room. I think the vignettes, though, like the the reintroductions to the characters, I think that was what ate the absolute. Like it's, I, Robert Downey Jr. was great in this, but the reintroduction to each character was very, very well done. At all. If, like, if you if you took his lines and just looked at them on the page and didn't know Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, you would look at this and be like, "Oh, this is going to be the most assholeish character." Yeah, I do yeah. not want to root for this guy. But he makes it work, and he makes it work in a way that I don't think any other actor could have. Yeah, it's it, that that role is really tailor made for him. I mean, we we talk about that all the time, but that's um, you know, un- unbelievable uh, casting. Uh, yep. How about the Mirror Match Villain Award for what age the worst? On the flip side here, Nick, you want to lead us off? Yes, I do. So the I alluded to this earlier. There is one scene that does not look good, and even when this movie first came out, I was like, "This does not look good." And it's like it's not a scene, but a moment when I, when Cap gives everybody their assignment, and he's like, "You know, Hulk smash and in Widow, we're gonna keep the fight on the ground as best we can." All this stuff. The big problem I had was when Thor was – he was on the Empire State Building, right, when he did this? Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. He conjures up all this lightning and everything, and then he you know, zaps it into the, 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 the hole where all the Chitauri are coming from. That looked terrible, I thought. The, the moment where he's bringing in the lightning and then when he's shocking it out, it just looks so cheesy. Uh, not cheesy, but it looks very like late 90s to me, not – all this stuff, like I said, uh, pretty much everything outside of that, I feel like you could insert it in a movie today, whatever they did, and use the same tech, and you'd be fine. That though would stick out like a sore thumb, so it did not, it, it did not age well. See, I I love that scene though, and I was like literally just watching that scene, um, you know, right before we got on here, and I was like, you know, I really love that because the whole movie, I felt like Thor was nerfed, like all his powers are nerfed, really, like up until Thor Ragnarok, I think. He's uh, his powers are kind of nerfed, and this was the first time that I see him like actually using that thunder and like using the Chrysler Building or the Empire State Building as a conductor through it all. Like I thought that was a genius way to utilize some powers and and still kind of use like a grounded way to kind of uh, uh, execute it with by using like the building and everything. I'll say this: uh, this rewatch that I did is the first time that I've seen this movie in 4K, and I mean. Uh, you, you, we can argue about that scene and how good it looked, but other than that, everything looked amazing. You yeah. Know, just looking at just the crispness of how, how much ever, like I'm actually looking at the suits and being like, Oh, Oh, that's not really a suit. That's just clothes. Like, yeah. It's yeah. So it's so realistic and so lifelike with it. And then, you know, and it should be, it shouldn't look like this ridiculous, you know, costume. It should look like something that they would be able to wear and, and, and move in. And so I was, I was very blown away by just how good uh, that it looks. The so what I mean, Wes, is that the the idea behind it 
is fine. I think you're right. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand you thought the CGI looked bad. I just, that it, looked it didn't bad. bother me. Yeah. That, that, but for some reason it bugged me. And I think it's just because it stuck out. The other thing that stuck out to, and I forgot to write this down originally, but Tim reminded me freaking Captain America's outfit that aged terribly. It's the worst out, worst yeah. uniform he's ever had in all. He's talking about how they're supposed to look like normal suits or whatever, normal clothes. That did not. His head, his, his headgear, especially his helmet was brutal. Did not look good. And it's nice too, because I think in Endgame, right? Don't they make like a little bit of a, a crack? Doesn't he kind of make a crack at himself or something about that? Oh, I think you're right. Yes. I think they, it's like they're kind of poking fun at himself and they've realized because, you know, we're just coming off of, uh, you know, the first Avenger rewatch. And, and I know one of the things that stuck out to you was that World War II final awesome. uh, Captain America outfit that he had. Like that was like, that was awesome. Awesome. I remember, I remember seeing this thinking, that outfit is very disappointing, particularly the helmet was disappointing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, the Chitauri, you know, we get this a lot in, in superhero movies. And I know the idea is so that uh, you can kill a whole bunch of people at once and not feel attached to them. But the idea of a nameless, faceless villain of army, an army of villains, um, you know, it's just a little, little play to, I know you have to do it, but I've never been bugged by that. I never, like it's, you do it so you can show off all the cool powers and stuff that everybody has. We don't get those awesome action scenes without it. What do you want? Like, yeah. What would you prefer? In a big thing know, like this. Anything else. That's just a, a, a tired trope. I, I will say though, you are right that the Chutari aged poorly, but in a different sense, because we find out in Endgame that they're like the most pitiful army in the galaxy when Rocket tells us that um, when they're having their big meeting and everything, remember when Thor does his whole thing with Jane, Rocket tells us, oh yeah, they're the, they're the worst army in the galaxy. That's, I, okay, this is my question then. So then that might be something that ages worse in Endgame because why would Thanos and Loki, like that? that's all part of Thanos, right? Like why would he have the worst army in the galaxy? Because they didn't know what the uh, the humans had. He knew that they just didn't have the Tesseract weaponry. You don't send your best right away. You send the guys that you don't mind losing if you're going to lose them. Okay. All right. Okay. That's that's fair enough then. That's good. I, uh, I feel thoroughly defunct uh, on that. Pretty cool. <laughs> that's why the pawns are at the front of the chessboard. Right. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I get it. Okay. That's I get it. Moving on. <laughs> what else we got? Let's see. Um, okay. Your title card. Mm. I hated that. It was, it, it didn't, it was just very bland. It was very lackluster. It didn't fit the uh, event or the moment. Not at all. I agree with you on that one. Small though. No, but still, Tim, do you got one? I just wonder if, is the moment as big as we think that it was then looking back at it now? Like revealing that it's the Avengers, like with a title card? Yeah. I mean, was it? I think so. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like you can get away with an understated Avengers title card. Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to, I think this was pretty big. This was, you know, the uh, crossover event of a lifetime. Yeah. This was also, big, yeah. We, knew, we knew then it was the first of many. Right. But if it failed, you know, and I'm telling you that, that opening title card <laughs> didn't set me off on a good note. <laughs> um. One thing that I, I was not a big fan of, we, we're, we're going to get to the fun lines a late, little bit later on, but there was one that uh, from the first time I watched it, I was like, God, this is so friggin' forced. Um, this is Iron Man to Loki when he comes to see him before the Battle of New York. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. 
Now, I know he delivers a little bit better than I just did there, but it's like, come on, dude. You really got to jam Avenger in there. It just was Avenge in there. It's just, it's very on the nose, very forced. I did not like it. I get very uncomfortable when I see that. This reminds me of the uh, X Men, X Women um, line from uh, Dark Phoenix. Who is it that uh, that Mystique delivers? You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of vibe that I get from that. Yep, like the, cool. the four people that were in the theater that don't understand what Avengers means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just take out the, the, the dictionary, right? And just uh, read off the definition of it. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, how about. So wait, 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 wait. which one we see that which one do you think is the is deserves the award because we're putting out nominations I need to know where you stand Wes you know I'm probably this probably speaks to the movie it's the title card that was very wow. Tim um there's something that's in the notes that you didn't bring up in the the conversation mm-hmm and that's how yeah. long and cumbersome Tony suit is. Tony suit is. Are you talking about when he's de-suiting? At yeah, the beginning. the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That would have to be. Oh my god, it was long and not practical at all. Totally unnecessary. And all I could think of is, man, he has to step in exactly the right spot for it to take that boot off every time, <laughs> right. as opposed yeah. to later when he just, you know, the suit just comes off. Like that's so much better. Right, and I love, um, you know, when he when he's um, jumping off of the Stark building when the battle with Loki, you know, and he kind of he's kind of free falling and the suit catches him, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really cool use of the suit. But you're not kind of you're not you, we haven't reached that point where it's like his suits are like top notch. I think that obviously comes in Iron Man three um, mm-hmm. towards the end there. Uh, but yeah, as much as those two moments, I have you know one's cringeworthy and one just looks brutal. I think the Chutari are the ones that age the worst, and because of what Rocket says uh, yeah. in, in in Endgame, because like oh, it was a great callback and everything's like holy shit, they're the worst army in the freaking universe. So yeah, because when we watched, it's like these guys are like you said, they decimated New York. Right. Yeah. Well, they weren't ready for it too. We you know, this is a young good. Avengers. You're also assuming too that Rocket's line is to be taken as true fact and not just Rocket snark. Hey, yeah, hyperbole. No yeah, friggin' yeah. Rocket slander here. All it's right? not slander at all. No, but it just could be like <laughs> you know, a typical Rocket snark. It could be. It could be. You're right. Anyways, um, but what we have? What is it all mean? Award the um, of course the top Easter eggs and everything. West, where do you want to start? Yeah, so let's start. Let's each take one of uh, the mid credits and credits Stan Lee cameo. You want to take the first one? Uh, Tim will take the end credits. I'll take the Stan Lee. Sounds good. So the mid credits scene, we have the Chitauri leader telling Thanos uh, to not pick a fight with the Avengers, saying to challenge them is to court death. Thanos turns and smiles. Um, and he wasn't purple at that time. He was more of a like a magenta, kind of yeah. had a pink hue to it and everything. Um, so of course, you know, what, why would why did he have a different? It was a different actor, I think, at that time too. Was the yeah, other? Thing. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think it was definitely Brolin at that point. But no, yeah, of, of course, you get that's that's the first introduction that we get. You know, the first time we see uh, Thanos, I think, at that point, right? That, right. Yeah. So you you kind of know where you're going at that point. And then it kind of throws you this curveball with uh, the the Chitauri leader saying the challenge them is to court death, and of course, right, that goes to um, you know the uh, uh, Infinity Gauntlet saga where he was trying to court Lady Death, uh, and we never get that storyline. Right. Yep. Unfortunately, who was also Deadpool's girlfriend at one point too. Oh, that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Uh, then we got the end credit scene, Tim. Yeah. So I mean, this is kind of. 
as we were saying before, you've got the the process of them becoming a family and becoming a team. So what does a family do is they all eat together mm-hmm. and, and mostly eat in silence. Right. Is, uh, you know, the way that I prefer to eat with family. Uh, but the, you know, the idea of like what we're seeing is they're all having the shawarma. We're seeing them come together as kind of a unit that we can look back on and say, all right, we can identify now with them. Didn't they, this is true. Didn't Chris Evans have his mouth he has his mouth covered because i believe he had he was growing a beard or something like that at that point oh when they, yeah yeah i, I think right. yeah i think that was the case i mean and i also think shawarma killed it like for the like the first two weeks or whatever it was with, like, in sales and everything after that movie i could see that as being you know the the most you could look back and say that that's probably the most human moment of the entire mcu I think it was a pretty lackluster moment. You know, you stick around for the whole movie and it's like, you know, you're, you're almost approaching three hours at that point. You probably are, are doing the little pee dance to try to hold in as much all, all the soda that you just chugged down. And that's what you get. So I, I was I was pretty upset about it. I actually forgot about that in the scheme of things. And then on, upon second rewatch, I was like, oh, there's probably an end credit scene in this. And then I was once again disappointed. Was it was it kind of a wink and a nod, though, by Whedon to say, because by that point, people are expecting these big earth shattering moments. And, you know, this is giving you that kind of that moment of saying, like, they're not all going to be big. Sometimes right. it's going to be Howard the Duck. You know? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of setting the stage there. You know, what's uh, funny is every single time we talk about end credit scenes that disappoint you, you always bring up the P dance. It's like every, at the end of every movie, you are holding it in. Every maybe that's time. why. Maybe I'm just like, you know, already yeah. in a bad place, like spatially, mentally. You gotta learn the trick. Yeah, you Which drink is- the whole soda before the movie's over, so that if you have to go, you can just use the cup. Jeez. Oh, wow. and then you leave it in the cup holder because goddamn, I'm not throwing that shit away. Right. Well, that's if we ever get back into movie theaters. But be- I was gonna say make an adjustment one time. Sure, but damn. I will do that. Uh, the first first movie theater we go <laughs> don't back. Be, don't pull a Saul Goodman and have to uh, have to drink it. Oh, right. Well, I, I, yeah, I would hope I'd, no one would catch me and then I wouldn't be pulling a Pee Wee Herman at that point because that, that would be an awkward conversation to try to explain. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, the, the Stan Lee cameo, uh, he's playing chess in the park during the TV montage post the Battle of New York, and he says, Superheroes in New York, you got to be kidding me, or, or something like that, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very small, but again, uh, I, I love that uh, that whole TV montage scene. I think that I wish there was more people who were critical of uh, the Avengers and that, but would. well, I, I would think that would just be fair, uh, fair news coverage. Would you be more critical of the, would you be critical of the Avengers if we had them in real life? This is an important question. Well, I think you would have to be held uh, responsible for some of their actions and the recourse. If I was living in New York city at the time, which I was actually, um, I would want some sort of answers about, yeah, what are you going to do about, you know, my job that just suddenly just had their restaurant, you know, blown out or my hotel, you know, my apartment getting knocked to shreds or I'm not able to get to work right now because the bridge is torn down. So, you know how I would answer that? Well, you wouldn't have the choice to you wouldn't have these problems if I wasn't here because, you know, what would have happened. You would have died because no, of the chart. No, no. <clears throat> uh, what's his name? Um, Vision talked about this in Avengers oh. Age of Ultron. There's a causality problem where uh, strength invites strength and conflict invites conflict. Well, then that goes back to what Thor said. So, but the but there lies the the um, the blame falls on Shield 
in the government in the course of things, not the Avengers, right? Yeah. Because they're the response team. So. Well, yeah, and they, and they created uh, Captain America, but yeah. The government did. Yeah. So the government should be the one that's answering the questions, not the Avengers, is what it comes down to. Well, you know, I think is the government ever going to give us answers? No, they never do. We know this. We've been we've been through that. Tim knows. He's a conspiracy guy. Well, you both are. Were you going to say something about that, Tim? Well, I was just going to say, you know, not to compare the Battle of New York to 9-11, but how long after 9-11 did it take for people to stop being understanding and start just being a-holes again? So you would get to that point where everybody would be like, oh, I'm so inconvenienced by this. Yeah, but we saved you from aliens. Yeah, but still, I can't use my usual train to get to work now. <laughs> Wes is already there. Yeah, man. I just I just want answers. You know, you're coming into my world. I didn't ask for you to save me. How about a heads up? Um, some of the other what does it all mean moments. Uh, Fury telling Maria Hill to protect everything from phase two before Loki shows up on the shield base. Oh my god, that was annoying to me on the rewatch. Yeah, they kept they they, they uh shoehorned in phase two a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So much. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how about Stark using the quote unquote uh, life model decoy in order to get away from Coulson? Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, life model decoys are Android duplicates that the shield agents use in dangerous situations uh, and revealing that the favorite character you thought was killed was actually just a life model decoy is one of Marvel's favorite ways of bringing people back from the dead. Now, doesn't Coulson come back from the dead in uh, Agent of Yeah, but it's a little bit different. It's not that. It, but you, you are correct. He does come back from the dead. And that is not a spoiler. Everybody knows that. Yeah. What? That's a yeah. nice comic book reference, I think. Right. Um, then we have the two ravens that Odin uses to monitor Earth when they're watching Thor and Loki when they have their whole issue after the, the fit in Germany. Um how do you no, say I have, the, I have the names there. I noticed you passed over them. Dude. I was gonna, I was gonna struggle yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hugen yeah. and Munin. I guess we'll we'll go with that. Does it sound right? Munin. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good to me. Right, they're spelt. Um, the shield worker playing Galaga foreshadows the end of the movie. Then there's also the janitor who asked Banner. This is this is a great find by you. I don't want to steal this from you. Go ahead. Well, so this is just off the internet there. So I thought that the, even the Galaga one is a little bit of a stretch, but the whole idea of, uh, you know, Iron Man bringing a missile up to the top, uh, I think that's kind of kind of the idea there. Uh, the janitor who asked Banner if he was an alien was also in the movie Alien, where he is the first to encounter the alien. That was, uh, that was a great pull. Just to go back to the Galaga moment for a second, I, I don't, I didn't get through the whole, I didn't even get to the Battle of New York on my rewatch. I ran out of time, but is it possible that there was a scene? I want to say I remember this, where they're kind of like dropping in, almost in Galaga fashion, Galaga, Galaga fashion, Galaga coming in at like a, a, a I want to say I kind of remember them coming in at a. It a, could be all oh, yeah, yeah. You know, now that I think about it, that's probably what they're talking about with that being foreshadowing. Oh, oh. yeah. Um. The uh, now this last thing that I wrote, I, I probably should have put this in the unanswerable questions. I think I screwed up on this one. But why did Tony have to go so far into this, into space with the mis- missile? I've never ever ever understood that the nuke. You know what I mean? So like the idea would be that once you're in space with no gravity, that the your force is already sending it at the speed that it entered space, and so you wouldn't have to go that far. 
Yeah, I guess so. Right? That yeah, because kind of, it's already moving at that force, and there's going to be nothing to stop it until it reach, reaches its destination or, or like something else. Yeah, like it, uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he has it on a, on a set course. It's not like a, a missile that's going to autocorrect back down, right? That'd be the only thing. But even then, he lets it go at some point, and it continues to go in the same trajectory. He could have let it go, for, like you know, get in there for a couple for like a couple seconds, let it go. I get it's going fast, but then jet back out of there. I don't know. It was strange to me. Very strange. Yeah, yeah that is like an unanswerable question. It's okay. Sorry. Yeah, I screwed up on that one. That was my bad. Tim, you had something for uh, what does it all mean that you're hiding from us? So this is a this this could just be also under some of the great lines, but it foreshadows the biggest moment in the entire MCU to this point. And and I think that it's it was it was lost on a lot of people, and certainly like it stood out to me on the rewatch, and I said, oh, and that's when uh, Captain America is fighting with Tony Stark. And he says, you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play to lay down on the wire and let the other guy crawl over you. You're right. And yep. Stark says, I would just cut the wire. And he's like, oh, you always, you know, you always got the answer or something like that. And this was, yeah, there's always a way out. Th- yeah. And this is, this is foreshadowing the biggest thing that happens, not mm-hmm. only with the Avengers, but probably in the entire MCU. And it certainly shows that he becomes the kind of guy that would just fall on the wire rather than try to find the way to cut it. Thousand percent, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that was. That was. I thought that was a little on the nose there. Upon rewatch, I was, I was hoping for something a little bit, a little bit deeper there. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're not serious, are you? No, I, I am. Yeah, I didn't even put put that line in there because I thought it was so obvious that it wasn't even. Like, but so many years ago, it was obvious now, but back then. Seven years difference between when that actually happened. I understand that, but you know, you, you understand that these movies built upon themselves. So, you know, like the writers of Avengers Endgame had the opportunity to look back and rewatch those movies and say, hey, maybe that's something that we can do. I I, I would think that probably part of the, the story plan the whole time is part yeah. of the arc. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like a throwaway line at a time. Well, actually, no, it doesn't even seem like a throwaway line. It seems like that's more targeted toward the, the missile cut like action right but it's yeah, it's or, really or more about the glove when he has to go jump in and save the um the the third engine that goes out on the helicarrier and when he goes to jump in he's explaining it to captain america it goes so well, hey if you start that back up aren't you going to get torn to shreds he immediately approves that he's not that person right there like moments after he says it so what we're realizing is that tony stark was never the asshole that we thought that he was Right. He, he just talked about it, but that in actuality in his actions, he was a far better guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, yeah. That's that's where I'm going with here. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, doing some internet research here, the Shield Internet Sleuth Award for uh, half ass internet research on the movie. Uh, Joss Whedon's original script didn't feature Pepper Potts. Here you go, uh, Tim. At all. It was a Robert Downey Jr.'s insistence that had Pepper uh, included to give Tony some depth. He would later go on to insist on Pepper sharing a larger part on Iron Man 3 as well. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Um, another one, Whedon's response to every Chitari dropping dead once the base ship is destroyed. I'm not proud of it, nor should you be. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You get out of that one pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, again, easy, classic uh, way to get get rid of villains. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is kind of a, you know, it could have also been a bit of an homage to some of the 
the movies that he saw, but for him to come out and say, I'm not proud of it just shows that, yeah, it was leaving. Yeah. I think, I think that's what they did is like some things, you know, you just have to move for the sake of the script. Uh, we're at two was, hours and 20 minutes. We, we can't have you pick off all the ones that are left. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, it was released in the UK and Ireland as Marvel Avengers assemble. That's a mouthful. A little bit interesting. I know in foreign countries, they yeah. all change the titles a little bit. Mm hmm. Um, we didn't explain that there was a point where it wasn't certain that Johansson would be a star in the film. He wrote a, a bunch of pa uh, of pages starring the Wasp. So kind of going what we were saying before, how she'd yeah. make sense to be in the Avengers uh, first movie. He also was worried that one British actor, Hiddleston, was, uh, was not enough to take on Earth's Mightiest Heroes in that we'd feel like we were rooting for the overdog. So he wrote in a huge draft with Ezekiel, Ezekiel Stain, Obadiah Stain's son in it. Which is I like that weird. a lot. I actually I would have liked to have seen that incorporated somehow. Again, uh, another Tony Stark villain uh, coming back to rue the day. I think the um, I don't know which one I would give. I think I give the the first one that you did the award for this, the the pepper one. That was a good find by you. Yeah, I like the last one that you read because that was huge. Because that means like we almost got no Scarlett Johansson. We almost got the Wasp, and mm -hmm. we almost got another villain in there. Which again, like kind of upon rewatch, like I know Loki was great, and as far as um, drawing him out uh, as a character later on down the road was kind of important to have him in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have liked someone else, you know, like coming into it again not the biggest comic book or Avengers fan at that point, but I didn't know much about Loki and you know, it just seemed like, you know, it was just a Thor villain, but uh, I like, I, obviously with how everything played out, I, I enjoyed it. And he mm -hmm. wasn't even a great Thor villain. You know, he was kind of like a, a like a side story arc for Thor. Right. All right. That brings us to the Edith award who won the movie. Wes, you have two nominees for this. Yeah, uh, the aforementioned Loki, um, you know, again, because he kind of sets up his role as, as the uh, best villain to date at that point, uh, you know, in the MCU. And then, of course, uh, parlays that into a couple future roles as well mm -hmm. uh, in a TV series. Uh, but my real winner, my real nominee is, is Black Widow. Uh, I came away very impressed with her. That was my biggest takeaway after seeing her uh, kind of get softened over the years. It was cool to kind of see her uh, in action you know, fully Black Widow doing all her uh, spy stuff, espionage stuff. Upon rewatch, pretty good fighter too. Yeah, yeah, she, she held her own. Yep, and she has that funny line too. The whole Budapest thing, it's just like Budapest all over again. Mm -hmm. It's like you and I remember Budapest very differently. Um, but I thought her stock definitely rose upon rewatch. But she's still not necessarily one of my favorite characters in this. Nick Fury was a big winner in this. I would not put him as a serious contender, but he gets his Avengers. He mm -hmm. manipulates everything along the way while they're trying to fight Loki to get what he wanted at the end. But my big, my real nominee, and I think Tim's going to side with me on this one, is Hulk because this is the best he's ever looked in a movie to this point. The best he's looked, the best he's been portrayed, yeah. everything, all of it. I love Hulk, and this is my. And upon rewatch, I appreciate him so much more in this movie. And I'm going to even take that a different way. And I'm going to say that it's not just Hulk, it's Banner. Mm. Because Banner realizes that he has to be willing to make the sacrifice of being the Hulk for this better thing. It's easy, it's, it's, it's easy for the Hulk to, to kind of decide to work with these people. But it's a, it's a different story for Banner to be willing to let go of that control of the Hulk to be able to offer him up for, the, for that possibility. Right. 
definitely. So Hulk wins, Wes. Yeah, yeah. I, I still like Black Widow. I can't be mad at the Hulk, though. That's a great call. Widow is definitely the number two choice for me, but like really good number two. The Sad Bucky Barnes Award for who lost the movie. Uh, we have uh, Hawkeye. We have Thor, who, again, I felt like was kind of nerfed uh, throughout this movie. Um, and then whoever designed Cap's costume. Yeah, it's got to go. It's got to go to that person. Come on. That looked terrible. It was awful. Uh, Tim, do you have any any nominees you want to add to this? I would have to stick with Thor myself. Because yeah. I, he didn't even get the vignette like everybody else did. True. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going with Hawkeye just because he gets his first real introduction and then is immediately a zombie throughout of it or, you know, like a, you know, a trance the whole time. Did Mind you like him, him though in Battle of New York? Because I think he was pretty good there. Nah, not really. Like I, I still find it believable that, um, like I still think like Black Widow offers more to the fight with her mm-hmm. like tacticians and like her way of like uh, I, I know like Nick yeah, though kind of, that they can't bank worth a damn. Remember? Yeah, true. <laughs> I think you're. I think you. I think Hawkeye. I, I like Hawkeye, but I think the majority tend to agree with you, Wes. We never really got like how Hawkeye was so good with arrows. Like, I would like to know, like, is he just, cause now, now he is like pan- picking down uh, Loki when, you know, they're going through that scene. He's like flying through New York city, chasing black widow. And he's able to like, I gotcha. Just like, I, yeah. it like, I don't believe that. They don't play him up like they do in the comics. They did not do him justice because I think I've told you this before, how his bow like is supposed to be this, like the average, even the average soldier or strong guy cannot pull his bow back. It's like, I forget how it works, but it's so many pounds of um, force to rip that back. So it's like all near for humans, right? Like only, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, the J. Jonah Jameson Award for Best Performance by a Side Character. Not I think side characters here. I think there's only one obvious choice. I have one written down because upon rewatch, Maria Hill is a lot more badass in this movie than I remember. And she looks outstanding too. Tim, do you have anyone else you want to add to this list here? No, I think I think that Hill uh becomes more of a side character as time goes on, although she she is a little bit more involved uh with what Captain Marvel, but she mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she was kind of a good get for them as an actress. Uh, you know, yeah, she was yeah. pretty hot at the time for, mm-hmm. uh, I don't mean physically hot, but like, you know, being on How I Met Your Mother. So I always felt like they could have done more with her and really kind of involved her more. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's probably the, the runner up here. Um, you know, maybe you could make an argument for Nick Fury, although maybe he's in the movie too much. Yeah, uh, he's kind of a sad, side character, you know, and we don't really see a whole lot of him. You know, he's just kind of in these end credit scenes leading up to this point, you know, here mm-hmm. and there and kind of popping in a little bit more in Iron Man 2, I think. Uh, but, you know, you don't really get a whole lot of him to this point. I think the clear winner, Agent Phil Coulson, you know, from him coming in and disrupting the moment with uh, with Iron Man Pepper Potts to the cards that he's got and, and the sense of humor that he's talking about with his obsession with Captain America to uh, the lines that he delivers uh, right before his demise to Loki, and then that getting used um, as a rallying cry to have the Avengers come together. I think this is a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer with Coulson. No, absolutely no-brainer. And he's a character too, such an impactful side character because we see him, you know, in his little bit roles in throughout Phase One, and he's somebody that, when you look back at the MCU, he's like you're you're not gonna overlook Phil Coulson just because he has. 
he just comes up in important moments, and obviously he's part of what brought the Avengers together. So yeah, it's it's no question because I don't think I don't think Nick Fury counts as a side character in all this. Yeah, I can see that. I think he's borderline at best. You know, a a, a small main character and a big side character. He's like right on that line. Exactly. Yeah, Hawk, Hawk Greg does fantastic work in mm-hmm. terms of being. You know, he has that smirk on his face all the time that, you know, he, he sees the bigger picture and knows what's going on. Uh, but at the same time, he also understands that you have to kind of let everybody go through their process to be able to to come together. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that he's just been he steals every scene that he's in in these movies. He does. Wes, do you want to take us through the Terrence Howard Award? I think this is your baby. Yeah, there's not a whole lot here. I think um, you know, some of this kind of goes back to um, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk movie, uh, when we did some casting what-ifs there. But since all these characters were pretty much already established, uh, David Duchovny and Joaquin Phoenix were reportedly up to be the Hulk. But Ruffalo, who was a runner-up to uh, Norton in the Incredible Hulk movie, ended up getting the gig. And the only other person that I really thought was maybe Hawkeye, but of course I kind of forgot that he was um, you know, teased and introduced in Thor, but Jensen Ackles from WB Supernatural was thought of to be uh, Hawkeye. I had to, I had no idea who this was. I can kind of see it. They have a similar look. It looks like he's a little bit taller than Jeremy Renner, but in the voice though, he would have. He's no. I I, does he doesn't sound right? I don't like that. I don't I mean, like that casting. I don't think people realize either. Jeremy Renner was a nobody at the time too. Mm-hmm. He was on that show on ABC, which I liked. Wait, he uh, hadn't done the Hurt Locker by this point. I don't I, think so. He was, he I'll was, I'm not sure exactly when that came out, but still like, he, oh, was, yeah. he was not a star star. Yeah. You know what I mean, he was still, um, that was like, that was a big role though. That was a breakout role. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but Jeremy Renner is now like you'd say Renner's an A-list actor. I don't think he was, I, I knew his face by that point. Cause he was also in 28 weeks. No, yeah. 28 weeks later, but I'd forgotten. Like he wasn't there yet. Where I mean, he is he's now. To the point now where he has a vanity band project that has commercials for Jeeps. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. when he really made it. But but I I would have hated the Ackles uh, casting. I, I think he'd be he does the voice of Red Hood and under the Red Hood, and I think he could play oh. that character in real life well. But like that's that character is also similar in in, in some ways to Dean Winchester, which is super, the supernatural show you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like. I don't see him translating to Hawkeye. Well. A huge w, uh, a huge Warner Brothers stain on him too. Not only from Supernatural, but he was involved in the early goings of Smallville. Oh, so, was he? Yeah, yeah. He actually played the original boyfriend of Lana Lang. Oh, so you're our go-to source. Like you're like six degrees of of Smallville. You know, like, like you know, everything <laughs> related to it. Alan, make that make that a quarantine watch. Yeah. Oh, we we're, we're the. the what part of why we wanted to have you on for this one because this is an important like everything else for us um like this is i mean like it was for the mcu this end of phase one is now going to open us up to other rewatches that we're going to get to down the line a little bit maybe get ahead of myself but that's why i wanted to have you because this is an important one um that brings us to my my personal favorite award and Mm -hmm. last one that we have on list the i am inevitable award which is for the best quote. Wes, Tim, who wants to start us off here? Tim, you got what? any good uh, quotes you want to add to the list or, or one you want to read off here? Uh, no, I, I actually felt like this movie was, um, I didn't take a lot away from this in terms of quotes. The ones that do kind of stand out are almost to me a little bit cheesy. Sure. Uh, yeah. 
but I did. I mean, basically any Tony Stark riffing is good. Uh, there was one uh, moment that I love probably the best is uh, is you know when he references that that Coulson's name is Phil. Mm-hmm. That's probably. Well, well, what was the Loki line that you? I was supposed to remind you about that you like. We would be surprised that they got away with it. Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't call this one of my favorites. I'm just surprised okay. that they got away with it. He refers to Black Widow. He calls her to her face a quim. Oh, and that's quim. I, that, quim well, that's is basically like calling somebody the c word. Yep, she is a um, yep the vulgar slang for the female genitalia, the vulva. Yep. Derogatory term, profane term, and he calls her a quim, and that got put in a Disney movie. I, I searched this, and it gives me the wiccanary wiccanary definition, mm-hmm. and it says a der- well, the last line, a derogatory term, and then in parentheses, see the c word. <laughs> so wow. that's so, bad. Well, we all, so if we were wondering if Marvel had been bought out by Disney, I think this confirms it because if we know anything about Disney, they like to put in uh, little subtle references uh, to all their movies that are somewhat sexually or crude related. Yeah, uh, you, you, my probably my favorite, and it's not the best line at all, but it's my favorite line in the movie is when Stark walks into the to the room where everybody is uh, on the helicarrier, and he walks in and he's on the phone with Coulson, and he says. Pick a weekend, I'll fly you to Portland. Yeah, yeah exactly. was like it's exactly who he is. As much as he gives that guy shit, he's gonna pay to fly the guy to Portland to go see that girl that he was seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very minor, very subtle, but just perfectly mm-hmm. sums up the way that he is. I know. I, I just noticed that too uh, when I was just watching before we got on there. Um, you, like you said, a lot of cheesy, funny lines in this. I think the only one that I had on here that was um, somewhat sentimental or had some weight to it was right before agent Coulson, um, you know, shot Loki right before he died there. Um, he said, you won't win. And they're kind of going back and forth. It's in your nature. You lack conviction, which I think is actually like, it's he's, he delivers it perfectly. But the idea of Loki lacking conviction and why he won't win is something that pops up time and time again, because he flip flops sides so much and that he's never able to make, the good guy's happy or the bad guy's happy because nobody trusts him because he's always flip-flopping back and forth. See, I read call. that a little bit differently. I read it somewhat as he lacks the conviction to win because he's not he's not fully invested in being evil. That's what I mean. What yeah. means, yeah. He, he kind of plays both sides. Like He knows he's like, – and that's how he ends up being uh, throughout the rest of the movie is this kind of anti-hero who's like just likes causing trouble more than like so you're saying, you're saying that it's not saying that he's truly good, but that he's he can go where the flow brings him. Or do you feel that he's truly good? No, I, I mean he's a flip flopper. See, I think that he's I think that he's truly good, and that we're eventually going to get to the point where you know he's Negan, where he's going to end up you know decapitating Alpha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're we're on the same road there. Spoiler alert, although I don't know if you guys are even still watching that at this point. I am so far behind on it, I, but I knew something like that happened in the comics. So, um, but yeah, we should have spoiled, warned everybody else. But anyways, uh, there are quite a few other lines, though, that come in the mix. Uh, there's when, when um, after, what was it? You have Loki giving this whole spiel about, like, I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied. And then he gets, again, we've talked about it, where he gets the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. Hulk calling him puny god. That one always stuck with me. I never forgot that one. Yeah. Um, Hulk saying, I'm always angry. I'm very pro-Hulk, a lot more than I've ever been. 
mm-hmm. in this with, with this movie. Um, another line that I liked a lot too was when Fury's getting told about the nuke and everything. He responds, "I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid ass decision, I've elected to ignore it." You got a couple others though, Wes. Yeah, I got um, Captain America has a couple of funny one-liners here. Uh, there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Uh, yeah, anytime you can a make point. a good, good uh, Lord and Savior joke, I enjoy that. Uh, Cap to Iron Man when they're trying to uh, fix the helicarrier, uh, the engine there. And yeah. Iron Man goes, tell me, what do you see? What's going on there? And Cap, completely befuddled, says, well, it seems to be running on some sort of electricity, uh, which I thought <laughs> was genius. Yeah, and Iron Man's like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the big one is, you know, when he, Iron Man first sees Thor, um, and, and they're talking about Shakespeare in the park, and they're playing in Central Park. I like that. And he says, uh, doth mother know you wear with her drapes? Uh, that's something that's just always kind of stuck with me from the first time I saw it to now. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, I understood that reference. That was yeah. another one, too. Yeah. But, it, but the thing is, like, the lines that you just brought up there, those three are all – better lines than I'm always angry, but the I'm always angry is the one that I will never forget from this movie. Well, and everyone's at, you know, I think uh, Scarlett or Scarlett Johansson, black widow asked him. And I think Tony also asked him like, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you not turn into the other guy? And like, it gets brought up a couple times and it's just left unanswered until that point. So I think that's a nice payoff too. And of yeah. course that really changes the tide towards uh, the Avengers favor right after that happens. So, right. Timing is everything. Mm-hmm. Speaking of timing, I think this is it. I think we've reached uh, everything that we, we came here to talk about, about Avengers. Yes. So we will, whenever we do another rewatch, we're going to switch off of Marvel for a little bit because there's brief. a lot of other. Yeah. Let, we got some other ideas. We're not. Have you decided what you want to do yet next in terms of direction? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk it over. You know, this is a democracy, not a dictatorship. So we can we can decide together. All right, we can. I, I don't mind it being a dictatorship. I, I can be submissive at times. Oh, um, <laughs> Tim, the, the, uh, we we've changed the um, on my mind segment to the quarantine corner. Do you want to start us off? Oh man, let's see. What have I been thinking about and focusing on during this whole time? Yeah, uh, well, counting sheets of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I've actually taken to using both sides. I was going to say, are you are you doing like a the Dwight Schrute and just unspooling uh, the two ply uh, news two ply toilet paper? Two ply toilet. Paper. What do you think? I'm a Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> I can only use the fungus toilet paper I can steal from work. That's one ply. Uh, no, I think that uh, one of the things that I've tried to utilize this time uh, to be able to do is to try and catch up on some of the uh, the television that I remember from and i you know i don't have a lot of time i still have to work you know the same 50 hours a week just being in my home office instead of the regular office but i've been trying to catch up on some of the old tv that i've always wanted to see that i haven't been able to see Mm -hmm. and so what i've done is i've essentially gotten myself lodged into a bunch of different series in places that i probably will never pick up again so i was like i'm gonna watch every cheer start to finish i'm gonna watch mash start to finish i'm gonna watch same elsewhere start to finish and i'm just kind of stuck so i really need to learn to just pick one and this is that's so on brand for you though tim that is such a you thing to do the one time when i had free time downtime before was when i was between when i stopped cooking and i went to go work at the station full time 
I had like four or five days off in a row for the first time in forever. And that's uh, when I tackled It's Always Sunny for the first time. Uh, <laughs> and that was a great nonstop watch. Yep. But it just seems like, you know, and I, I even gave thought to maybe jumping into the office or Parks and Rec because you guys always recommend them so much. But I'm just, I'm never going to do it. I'm never. But I did watch all the Dana Carvey shows again. Okay. Well, you get your priorities straight here. Only eight of them. So I think to kind of put a bow on this to kind of kind of make this come full circle here. I've been uh, not as much as I should be doing, but I've started to to meditate in the mornings or at night after working. Uh, I got this. My my wife got me into this here. But uh, 10, 15, 12 minutes, just kind of put on some nice beats um, and just like, you know, sit down on the yoga mat or lay down on the floor and just decompress. I think has been very beneficial to me, but I've also um, watched Surviving R. Kelly <laughs> to kind oh. of pose those two things, and <laughs> it's amazing, um, you know, how much I loved R. Kelly's music, and then how much it just quickly, like, it doesn't pop up on my Apple Music or Spotify, like, it's just completely out of the algorithm. And hearing all of those songs back up, we're like, wow, they really did erase him from from like recent history. Uh, because he's such a villainous person. I mean, the guy was despicable. You talk about like cult leaders from Doc Antle and like, you know, Tiger yeah. King. I mean, this guy was a villainous, villainous creature. And like, you know, Doc Antle kind of has like that that little bit of like redeeming, redeemability, like almost everybody has on that series. Uh-huh. Uh, there was like zero of that with R. Kelly. Well, so you know that I work at a top 40 station during the day. And right. We can play Michael Jackson on the back in the day cafe. And, you know, maybe one or two people might complain now and then you play an R Kelly song and forget it. Our Facebook inbox is flooded. The mm-hmm. phones are lighting up. I mean, people just are not ever going to be able to dissociate the music with what this guy did. Wow. Well, and I think it's also, you know, the, the type of music that he made where Michael Jackson was a little bit more um, accessible. You know, I don't think everything could be related back to yeah, not you know, not much of that sounds on about raping kids, but our Kelly songs when you listen to them like, oh, that's about pissing on a girl. Right. Or like, you know, the debut album from Aaliyah was Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. You right. know, or like the whatever the single and it's just it's also like, his in court. Yeah, the he doesn't refer to himself as the Pied Piper of rap. <laughs> Jesus you know, like, Christ. Like, that type of on the nose. Yeah, that's like yeah. hiding in plain sight. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that's what, what, what's what been on my mind in, in Quarantine Corner. I have finally um, – there's a couple of HBO shows that I haven't watched yet, of course. The Wire, which is free for everybody. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to get out the um, last couple things that I really wanted to watch before I go to the, take advantage of the free thing and maybe you know take a break from paying for a month. Sure. Um, and right now I'm in the middle of Deadwood which is awesome. But Tim, you, yeah, Wes, have you watched Deadwood before? No, no, I haven't. Tim, you've watched Deadwood, right? Yes, and I actually rewatched it last summer uh, in preparation for the movie. When mm-hmm. do they start talking about making the pill? Because I don't understand it. About making what? The pill. I don't understand it. Making Isn't this what? about how they came up with Viagra? No. Oh, oh, Deadwood. I <laughs> uh, get it, Nick. <laughs> it's uh, a great spot to end it. That's a, that's a good dad joke right there. Uh, I figured you guys should appreciate that. I'll never get a boner again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wes. Uh, so TBD? Yeah, TBD. Thanks so much, Tim. Uh, best of luck in your new, in- in- uh, in new endeavors. Quick plug for yourself, though, one more time midnight.fm that's where you can hear midnight society we have a whole bunch of other great programming coming to midnight.fm down the line 
And I'm thinking it might even be a great home for some rebroadcasts of Change My Mind. Oh, oh I like that. Oh, I like that language. Okay. Ooh, speaking of dead boys, I'm uh, looking thinking the other way now. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, but until then, Tim, thanks so much. And we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat place. Thank you.